Good morning. Uh, the reading this morning is uh, taken from chapter 2 of Philippians, uh, and if you're using the church Bibles, it is definitely in there. <laughs> We're starting at verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. How do you react when things go wrong in your life? The Apostle Paul, as we've seen, is writing to his friends in the Philippian church from a prison in Rome. He's manacled to a Roman soldier. He's living in squalid and cold conditions. And yet, he rejoices. And he calls on his readers to rejoice, no matter what they go through. Rejoicing, then, is a decision. It's not dependent on how we feel. Feelings follow the will. That's the Christian principle. The world tells us to follow our feelings. The Bible tells our feelings to follow our will. We decide what is right based on the Bible. And feelings follow on. Paul is good friends with the Philippian church. There are no major doctrinal or moral problems in the Philippian church. However, there is some disunity. And so the apostle commands them in chapter 2 verse 5 to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus is utterly self-sacrificial all the way to death on the cross. The answer to the division in the Philippian church is to be like Jesus, whom God exalted to the highest place and to whom God gave the name that is above every name, Therefore, because Jesus humbled himself and has been glorified by the Father, therefore, verse 12, work out your salvation without grumbling or arguing, rejoicing and being glad. Firstly, then, work out your salvation, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
So the Philippians are dear friends of Paul. They've always obeyed his teaching when he was with them, and now much more in his absence. And what's his instruction to them here? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He doesn't mean that they're to work to earn their salvation. The whole point is, this is salvation. This is being saved. The Philippians need to be saved from something. From the just wrath of God at their sin. There's no way they can save themselves. But having been saved from hell, for heaven, for a relationship with God as Father and with Jesus as bridegroom, brother and friend, having been saved, they are to work out their salvation. So God saves us. We then cooperate with God in this process. We work out this salvation in our lives. How does this work? Well, firstly, we must receive salvation as a gift. Apparently, Queen Victoria knew this. She attended a service in St. Paul's Cathedral, and the sermon gripped her. Afterwards, she asked her chaplain, can one be absolutely sure in this life of eternal safety? His answer was that he didn't think you could be sure of eternal life. Well, this incident was published in the court news and came to the notice of a minister called jo John Townsend. After reading of Queen Victoria's question and the answer she received, he prayed and sent the following note to the Queen. To Her Gracious Majesty, our beloved Queen Victoria, from one of her most humble servants, with trembling hands, but heart-filled love, and because I know that we can be absolutely sure now for our eternal life in the home that Jesus went to prepare, may I ask your majesty to read the following passages of scripture, John 3:16, Romans 10, 9 to 10. I sign myself your servant for Jesus' sake, John Townsend. Well, John Townsend was not alone in praying about his letter to the Queen. Many people prayed for her. About two weeks later, he received the following reply. To John Townsend, I have carefully and prayerfully read the portions of Scripture referred to. I believe in the finished work of Christ for me and trust by God's grace to meet you in that home of which he said, I go to prepare a place for you, Victoria. After Queen Victoria's discovery of Christian assurance, she used to carry a small booklet to give away. It was called Safety, Certainty and Enjoyment. That's what she found in Christ. 
So Queen Victoria received salvation as a gift. She then worked out this salvation by carrying a booklet to give away. John Townsend accepted salvation as a gift. He then worked out his salvation by writing to Queen Victoria and no doubt by sharing the gospel with many other people. Have you received salvation as a gift of God? Have you come to a point in which you despair of your own efforts to get you to heaven? Have you accepted Jesus' offer of salvation as a gift? If you have, good. That's great. Now, are you working out your salvation? Are you living out your salvation? Are you living a distinctively Christian life? Are you committed to prayer? Are you a reader of the Bible? Are you giving up your time to serve God? Are you sacrificially giving your money away? Are you living to tell others about Jesus? In all these ways and in others, we work out our salvation. We live it out. We don't earn salvation. It's a free gift, but we respond to the gift we've been given by giving our whole lives to God in self-sacrifice and worship. Notice the end of verse 12. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. God is an awesome God. God is absolutely holy. God is all-powerful. To live before him is to live in fear of him, to live in awe of him. God is not just cuddly. God is awesome. God is to be feared. We can know God intimately. We can know his love for us personally. We can know God as our Father. We can know Jesus as our bridegroom, as our friend, as our brother. These are wonderful truths. But if you only try and know intimacy with God without remembering his power and holiness, well, you don't really know God. There are moments when we just stand in awe of God. We love him. He loves us. But he's not just our best mate. God is the holy, all-powerful one. C.S. Lewis gets used a lot in sermons. So I apologize for using this again. But in the Narnia stories, Aslan the lion represents Jesus. The Pevensey children love Aslan. They even put their arms round his mane. 
But at the end of the day, he is a lion, not a pussycat. And that's how it is with God. We know him personally and intimately. We love him. But at the end of the day, he is God. We are not. There's always an element of fear and trembling in our relationship with God. So we receive salvation as a gift. We work out our salvation, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So just to underline that salvation is a gift, yes, we work out our salvation, we live to serve God, but even when we do, it is God who works in us. Every time I serve God, every time I do a good deed, every time I manage to pray, every time I manage to share my faith, it is God who works in you. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 15. So salvation is a gift. And all the good works I do for God are just the product of him working within me to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose. God has a good purpose for my life. And when we cooperate with him, that good purpose is seen in our lives. One preacher said this, think about the difference between a motorboat and a sailing boat. In a motorboat, I'm in control. I start the engine, control the speed, and go wherever I want. Sailing is different. When I'm sailing, I'm not passive. I have a role to play. I hoist the sails and steer with the rudder, but I am utterly dependent on the wind. There's no room for believing I'm in control. Because if the wind doesn't blow, I'm dead in the water. When the wind blows, on the other hand, amazing things can happen. The good things we do are the wind of the Spirit blowing through us. So work out your salvation. Secondly, without grumbling or arguing. Verses 14 to 16, verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Who grumbled and argued back to God in the Bible? Well, famously, the children of Israel were rescued from slavery in Egypt, but then, instead of just being grateful, they complained and argued back to God for 40 years in the wilderness. Oh, if only we were back in Egypt. Life was so much better then. 
Life is so miserable now. I wonder, do we do everything without grumbling or arguing? Do we do some things without grumbling or arguing? Do we do anything without grumbling or arguing? One writer says, I have a friend who did not seem like the greatest Christian. He has deep wounds that still affect him in many ways. He had effectively no father growing up. His mother was a difficult person. She was married five times, none of those marriages lasting long. She had little time for my friend and failed to give him encouragement. Well, he's a man now, and several years ago, his mother developed a degenerative muscular disease and gradually lost almost every physical capacity. None of her children would have anything to do with her, and not one of the men to whom she'd been married even acknowledged what, was, what she was going through. My friend, however, decided to love. He took her into his home and cared for her, feeding her by hand, combing her hair, and cleaning up after her messes. A year ago, I was in his, his home, and all she could do was cry and moan incessantly. I wondered, how can he stand this? I thought, I've been given blessings, the church, scripture, family, exponentially greater than this man. And I don't know if I could love like this. When she died, 16 people came to her funeral. Not even all her kids came. But my friend was there. And on a little toy tape recorder, he played a tape of his mother singing a Christmas carol. He talked about how she loved Christmas and how when he was a kid, he used to play the guitar and she would sing with him. He didn't love her perfectly, not by a long shot, but he loved her when loving was hardest. He loved her when no one else would love. And he remembered her with kind words. The mother in this story was a miserable moaner, with good reason. The son was not. Which am I more like? You can ask Becca later. The moaner or the loving son? Verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 32, verse 5. In Deuteronomy 32, God's people are a warped and crooked generation as they moaned and groaned in the wilderness. Now, for the Apostle Paul, God's people are to be different they are not to be like this. They will not be a warped and crooked generation. 
They will rather shine among them like stars in the sky. Literally, God's people are to be light bearers. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. God's people carry that light into the world. We see in the next verse, verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life. This can equally be translated as you hold out the word of life. We hold firmly to the word of life. We hold firmly to the gospel. And we hold out the word of life. We hold out the gospel. We shine like stars. We reflect the light of the world. In other words, we live holy, uncomplaining lives and we talk about Jesus. The Christian life is very simple. We live holy lives, we talk about Jesus. That's what God expects from us. And then verse 16, I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. The Apostle Paul expects that on the day of judgment, the day Christ returns, it will be clear what the Philippians achieved as they lived for Christ. And that will show Paul it was all worthwhile. It was worth the suffering. It was worth going to prison. In the same way, you will see that friend you prayed for, that person you shared the gospel with, that member of your Sunday school class whom you taught. You'll see all those whom you helped to follow Christ on the day of judgment. And it will all be worthwhile. You will be able to boast on the day of Christ that you did not run or labor in vain. We won't boast of our own achievements. We'll boast about all that God did in us and through us. All the glory will go to him. Work out your salvation without grumbling or arguing, rejoicing and being glad, verses 17 to 19. I wonder when you can rejoice and be glad. I can rejoice and be glad when things are going well. The apostle rejoices and is glad in prison, facing execution, verse 17. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Can you picture this? The Philippian church is the main sacrifice on the altar, 
like an animal sacrifice in the temple. The Philippian church is the main sacrifice. And Paul is a drink offering. A drink offering was a goblet of wine poured out over the main sacrifice on the altar. Paul says that his life is like this. He's being poured away. In other words, he's given over to death. Even so, he rejoices and is glad. Just as he expects the Philippians to rejoice and be glad. They're to rejoice and be glad in their experience of sacrifice. Sacrifice and service proceed from their faith in verse 17. Or accompany their faith. There's no escape from this. If you want to live by faith, you will inevitably live a life of sacrifice. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our whole lives, not just what we do in church, our whole lives are to be given over to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So, you have some money. You could spend it on a holiday in the Bahamas, or you could give some of it away. You have some time. You could spend it relaxing, or you could come to a prayer meeting. You have time and energy. You could spend it on yourself, or you could use it for God. The Christian teaching is that we use all that we are and have for God. We are given over to God as living sacrifices. But we don't do this miserably. As we give ourselves to God sacrificially, we rejoice. Verse 17 of our reading, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. We began by saying that we rejoice as an act of the will. We decide to rejoice despite our circumstances, just as we choose to love in marriage. We don't wait for the loving feeling. We decide to be loving. And the feeling follows afterwards. So we decide to rejoice. 
in the midst of our sacrifice and suffering. Work out your salvation without grumbling or arguing, rejoicing and being glad. If you're like me, you need help with this. Grumbling and arguing come easily. Rejoicing and being glad, well, they're not so easy. Shall we together commit ourselves today to working out our salvation, living out our salvation, living for Christ in the world? Shall we pray for one another in this? Shall we support one another so we don't grumble and argue, but rejoice and are glad? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have a wonderful salvation. We thank you for Jesus and for all that he's done for us, his death and his resurrection. Thank you, Father, that so many of us here today have been saved through trusting in Jesus. Help us now then, Lord, to work out our salvation, to live it out for your glory without grumbling or arguing. Please help us with this, Lord. And help us, Father, despite our circumstances often, to rejoice and be glad in all that Jesus is and all that he's done for us. Help us, Lord, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.